Well, I want to welcome those of you who are at our Mill Creek campus, who are watching, uh, those who are watching online, those who will be watching by TV. I'm here at our Sugarloaf campus. We have a campus about 20 miles to the north of us here, uh, here in Gwinnett County, and I want to encourage you, if you're either locally and watching on TV or you're watching by a computer or whatever, come join us live and see what God is uh, doing in our church. Have you ever thought about uh, when you walk into a church, uh, when I go on vacation, I go to church different places, and have you ever thought about when you walk into a church, who you're sitting with, or who you're sitting next to, or who's, who's sitting around you? I mean, who, who really are the people in the room? Well, if a church is a healthy church, and if a church is doing its job, there will always be three groups of people in that church. First of all, there are those who come to church and they have no relationship with Jesus Christ whatsoever. And by the way, that's who we want filling up the chairs. We want people who are not like us, who don't believe what we believe, who don't have the hope that we hope. And there are people that, that, that come to church and they have no relationship with the Lord. They may be religious or not religious. They may not own a Bible. They may not know very much about church, but they just don't know the Lord. They do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And if we're a healthy church, and we're a going church and a growing church, we'll always have those kind of people in the room. That's one group of folks. And then there are people who come to church and they know the Lord, but their lives are not much different from people who don't know the Lord. And, and I'm sure I'm talking to some of you this morning, if you just be honest enough to admit it, you're, you're not satisfied with your spiritual life. You know that you're living far below what the Christian life ought to be. These are the people that, if they read their Bible at all, they don't read it very much. They never share Christ with anybody. They have no desire to go on a mission trip. If they give any at all, their giving is very sporadic, and they just don't have the joy. They don't have the peace. They don't have the excitement. They don't have the spiritual power that they know that they ought to have. So you've got those people in the room. And then you've got a group of people. They come to church, and they know the Lord. But somehow along the way, they finally understand the need and the desire to live a life that is filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, they're not perfect. They're, they're, they're growing. But when you're around these people, you can just see it. You can almost smell it. They, they're full of joy. They, they share their faith. They give with gladness. They willingly serve. They're, and, and they're just living the Christian life on a different level than most believers. Now, I don't know which category you fall in, but I promise you, you do fall in one of those three categories. Either you don't have a relationship with Christ, you may be religious, but you really don't know the Lord, and that's possible, or you, you really do know the Lord. You do have a relationship with the Lord, but let's be honest, it's not much. And you know deep down, there's got to be more than the Christian life than what you are experiencing. But then there is that third group of people, and though you would say, look, I'm not perfect, and I'm still growing, and I'm still not what I ought to be and what I want to be, but I can honestly say that I'm really beginning to understand the need to live the Spirit-filled life. That's me. Now, here's the good news. If you fall into one of the first two categories especially, you don't know the Lord, or you do know the Lord, but you know deep down you're not really with the Lord where you ought to be, you know you're not hitting on all these cylinders. Of all the people in this room, I am the most glad that you are here. Because we started a series last week that we're calling Holy Who. Because most people, whether they're believers or not, know very little about the Holy Spirit of God. And so what we're going to be doing in this series is we're simply going to be learning 
so very much about the Holy Spirit and why the Holy Spirit is such a big deal. For example, we're going to learn you cannot come to Jesus. You can't even become a believer apart from the Holy Spirit. You cannot witness effectively apart from the Holy Spirit. We just got through worshiping. You can't even worship God in spirit and in truth. You can't even worship God the way he wants to be worshiped and the way he deserves to be worshiped apart from the Holy Spirit. And even if you serve, even if you work for the Lord, you cannot work effectively. You cannot be the most effective servant you ought to be apart from the Holy Spirit. Now, if you are a follower of Jesus, let me just talk to you for a moment. If you're here and you say, hey man, I am a follower of Jesus, but... You would be honest enough with yourself and with God to say, I know I'm falling far short of what the Christian life ought to be, and I'm falling short of what a Christian ought to be. Let me give you a little bit of good news. The fastest way, and I mean the fastest way, that you can get from where you are to where you want to be and to where you know you are supposed to be spiritually, the fastest way to do that is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. As a matter of fact, it's not just the fastest way. It's not just the best way. It is the only way you'll ever get from where you are to where you want to be and where you know you are supposed to be. In other words, let me put it this way. I'll just kind of be blunt with you, okay? You cannot live the Christian life fully unless you're filled with the Holy Spirit. No matter how many times you come to church, doesn't matter how much you read your Bible, doesn't matter how much you pray, doesn't even, doesn't even matter how much you give, you can never live the Christian life fully until you are filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, we said, if you were here last week, we said last week that when, that, that when you give your life to Jesus Christ at the point of belief, the Holy Spirit comes to live in every Christian. When you give yourself to Jesus, Jesus gives the Holy Spirit to you. And the Holy Spirit comes to live in you so that he might live his life through you. And that's what we want for every believer. That's what God wants for every believer. Uh, I don't know if you've ever had this experience or not. I, I've had it on more than one occasion. In fact, I can tell you one person, uh, just to give you examples, Billy Graham. Have you ever been in the presence of a Christian, ever? And you didn't run around that person very long. You just immediately knew there was something different about that person, about that believer, something different from the vast majority of other Christians you were with. When I was with Dr. Graham in his home just a few years ago, I hadn't been with Dr. Graham. I've been with him on several occasions, but never in his home. And I never forget, he's sitting there, and he's got a special chair in his living room there, and I'm sitting next, right, I mean, right next to him. Matter of fact, I was getting as close to him as I possibly could. So I'm sitting right there next to him, and I hadn't talked to him five minutes, and I, just, I could just sense in his life, this is a man that is filled with the presence of God. This is a man filled with the power of God. And you say, yeah, yeah I have been around people like that. And maybe you even caught yourself wishing you were like that person. Man, I wish I was a Christian like that person. I wish I had the joy that they had. I wish I had the fire that they had. I wish they had the passion that they had. I wish they had the walk with God that they have. And you found yourself wishing that would be true for you. Well, here's the good news. What I'm going to be talking about this morning, this whole level of Christian living, it's not just for so-called spiritual superstars. It is for everybody. God wants every believer, doesn't matter what you do for a living, doesn't matter whether you're educated or not, doesn't matter whether you're seminary trained or not, that's all that's irrelevant. God wants every believer to live the highest level of the Christian life that you can, and the highest level of the Christian life you can live is a life that is filled with the Holy Spirit of God. You say, wait a minute, how do you know that's true for everybody? 
How do you know that I can hit that? How do you know that I can really be a supercharged, spiritually filled Christian? I know that because of one thing that a man wrote 2,000 years ago who was, if you had met him before he came to Jesus, you would have voted him the least likely person ever to come to know the Lord. Yet he had, quote unquote, the Damascus Road experience. He comes to know Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. And when he's brought to Jesus by the Spirit of God from that moment on till the moment he died, he lived a life filled with the Holy Spirit of God. And he wrote one thing that tells all of us that all of us who are believers can truly be filled with God's Holy Spirit. So if you brought a copy of God's Word or you use an iPhone or a smart, you know, iPad or whatever it is you might use, I want you to turn to a book in the Bible called Ephesians. It's about, I don't know, two-thirds of the way through the New Testament, maybe, right in, you know, right, there's a bunch of letters that were written, Acts, Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, right in there. So about seven or eight books past the Gospels. I want you to turn to Ephesians chapter 5. Now, before I say anything else, I'm going to put a statement up on the screen, and I want this to color everything you hear in the rest of this message. I want you to keep this thought in the back of your mind, because before I put it up there, let me just tell you, there's some of you and I'm just being honest with you, you're already a little bit uncomfortable about what I've said because maybe you come from a Pentecostal or a charismatic background and you may think I'm kind of go, going to some extreme and I'm really not. As a matter of fact, let me just say, I thank God for Pentecostals. I thank God for charismatics. I wish some of what they got would rub off on more of what we don't have, just to be real honest with you, okay? I mean, I'd rather cool down a fanatic than heat up a corpse. So, I, you know, I, I'm excited about people who are excited about Jesus regardless of their denomination. But, but I want to throw something up on the screen, and I want you to really think this through because this is where I believe many Christians live today. You ready? Here we go. Now listen to this. I believe the average Christian is so subnormal that when he becomes normal, everybody thinks he's abnormal. I, I believe that. I believe the average Christian is so subnormal that when he becomes normal, everybody thinks he's abnormal. Let me tell you why I believe that's true. I believe the spirit-filled life is just normal Christianity. I, I believe the spirit-filled life is not just something you try to kind of replicate on Sunday morning when you're with a bunch of other believers. I believe the spirit-filled life is for the football field. I believe the spirit-filled life is for the golf course. I believe the spirit-filled life is for the office. I believe the spirit-filled life is for the classroom. I don't find a vacation from the spirit-filled life in God's Word. We ought to be filled with the Holy Spirit 24-7. It's just normal Christianity. And I know it's what God wants for every believer, and I know it's what every believer can have. And so if you have any kind of a relationship with Jesus, you should agree with me that all of us should want to be consistently, conspicuously, consciously, continuously filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, the question is, how does that happen? I mean, if you're sitting there right now, and, and, and hopefully there's already a thirst, not in your throat, but in your heart, you're saying, boy, you know, pastor, that's what I want. I'm really tired of living below my spiritual means. I'm really tired of living my Christian life down here. I'm really tired of my life not being any different to speak of than most everybody who's not a believer. I really do want to live the Christian life at its highest level. How can I do that? Well, Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 5 exactly how to do it. Step one, three steps. Number one, first of all, I must seek the filling of the Holy Spirit. 
First thing has to happen. I must seek the filling of the Holy Spirit. And before I throw a verse of scripture up there, let me just go ahead and make one thing plain to you. If you don't want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, don't worry, you won't be. You'll have to sweat it. He won't force himself to fill you up, okay? Because let me tell you, there's some of you out there right now, and I know deep down, you may not realize this, but here's what you're thinking subconscious. Now, wait a minute. But if I get filled with the Holy Spirit, my, my giving habits are going to change. Yep. If I get filled with the Holy Spirit, I'm going to start sharing Jesus with people. Yep. If I get filled with the Holy Spirit, I'm going to have a hunger for God's Word. Yep. If I get filled with the Holy Spirit, I'm going to have a desire to leave this country and maybe go somewhere else and do mission work around the world with people that don't know the Lord. Yep. If I get filled with the Holy Spirit, I'm going to have to forgive that person that did me wrong. Yep. That's the deal. So I'm just simply being honest with you. Your desire ought to be, I don't care what it costs. I don't care what price I have to pay. I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's the desire of my heart. So here's what Paul says in verse 18. He says, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, he said, be filled with the Spirit. Five short words, be filled with the Spirit. Five just very quick words, be filled with the Spirit, but incredibly powerfully filled words. Now, that verb translated, by the way, be filled, is in the imperative mode, imperative mood. In other words, this is not just a suggestion. It's not just a request. It's not even just a good idea. This is a command of God to every believer. In other words, what God is saying to every one of you this morning, every one of us who are believers in this room is, I am commanding you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, let me tell you what that means. That means if you're trying to live the Christian life apart from the Holy Spirit's filling, it's not just a mistake. It's not just bad judgment. It's not just a bad idea. It's a sin. Just as much as it's a sin to lust, just as much as it's a sin to lie, just as much as it's a sin to steal, it is a sin for you or for me to try to live the Christian life apart from the filling of the Holy Spirit. Matter of fact, I can go deeper than that. I don't often try to tell people what the will of God is for their life. It'll surprise you how many people want me to do that. You surprise them, you know, I don't know why people think I've got a red phone next to my bed, you know, the, right to God. And they'll come to me, I'm trying to find God's will for my life. Should I go to this college, that college, take this job, take this job, move or not move? And, and I don't usually try to get into this trying to tell people God's will, except when God tells me what God's will is for everybody. And I know what God's will is for every single believer in this room. It is for every believer to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You say, how do you know that? Well, we don't want to take a text out of context. Go back to the verse right before this verse and listen to what Paul said. He said, therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Paul says, we're all here for one purpose. I don't know if you know this or not. You know why you're on planet Earth? You're here for one reason. To understand God's will, to know God's will, and to do God's will. That's why you're here. If you're not doing that, you're wasting your time and wasting your life. And it's God's will for all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. So I know God's will, first of all, is for us to be saved. And then after we come to know the Lord, it's, it's his will that we know his will and to do his will and to obey his will. And it is his will that we are filled with the Holy Spirit. So he says, look, understand what the will of the Lord is. Then the very next thing he says is be filled with the Spirit. Now, let me go back to last week and remind you of something because I don't you get conf confused. If you're a believer... The Holy Spirit indwells you. 
He lives in you. He lives in all of us. Here's the problem. Even though he's resident in all of us, he's not president over all of us. That's where a lot of us fall short. He's in you, but he's really not over you. This is a command. Paul says, okay, this is not an option. I'm not even really giving you a, I mean, you really shouldn't even have to even think about choosing this. I am commanding you be filled with the Spirit. By the way, that, that verb to be filled is not just imperative in its mood. It's plural in number. Here's what Paul literally said. If you want to know the real English translation, he didn't say you be filled with the Spirit individually. He said y'all be filled with the Holy Spirit. He was from South Israel, okay? He said, y'all be filled with the Holy Spirit. In other words, the Spirit-filled life is not just for a college kid or a a college-educated kid or a seminary graduate. The Spirit-filled life is not just for the pastor. It's not just for the staff. It's not just for a deacon or a Bible study teacher. The Spirit-filled life is not just for someone that has a PhD. It's not even for some TV religious superstar. Paul said, I want all of you to be filled. The Spirit-filled life is for everybody. And by the way, it doesn't matter whether you've been a Christian for five days or five years. You should be Spirit-filled every waking moment of your life. It's plural. It's all of us. It's imperative. It's a command. And it's also in the present tense. It doesn't say get filled. It says be filled. So here's the question I want to ask every one of you right now. The question is not, have you ever been filled with the Holy Spirit? That's not the question. The question is not even, have you recently been filled with the Holy Spirit? That's not the question either. The real question I want to ask you right now is real simple. Right now, this moment, this second, while you're sitting there listening to me and I'm standing up here talking to you, can you honestly say before God, this moment, I am filled with the Holy Spirit? That is the question. Because you see, yesterday's feeling won't cut it today. And today's feeling won't carry over until tomorrow. I told you last week, every morning when I wake up, I talk to the Trinity. First thing I do, I mean, it's it's just natural to me. It's just like natural as I breathe. First thing when I wake up, Woke up this morning about 5.30, and I'm laying in bed and, and, and about to get up. And I always do this. I say, Holy Spirit, I say, good morning. And I say, Lord, I love you. Father, I love you. Lord Jesus, I love you. Holy Spirit, I love you. And then the very next thing I say, before I can get out of bed, I say, Spirit of God, fill me. Lord Jesus, fill me today with your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, take absolute, full, and total, and complete control of my life. You know why I do that? Because it doesn't matter how filled with the Spirit was I yesterday, today's a new day. And there's not an automatic reset button on my heart. I've got to continuously choose on a daily basis whether I'm going to be controlled by the Holy Spirit, filled with the Holy Spirit, or controlled with and filled with something else. So let me put it to you this way. You don't choose for the Holy Spirit to live in you. When you give, give your life to Jesus, he does that. You don't choose for the Holy Spirit to live in you. But what you do choose is whether to be led by the Holy Spirit. So you don't have to get up in the morning and say, Holy Spirit, would you please be in me today? He already is, and he never leaves. What you do have to decide every morning when you get up is this. Am I going to be led by the Spirit or not? Am I going to live in the Spirit or not? Am I going to walk in the Spirit or not? Because when you choose to follow Christ, 
and you surrender your life to him, at that moment, the spirit comes to live in you forever. But from that moment on, every day, you've got to make a conscious choice. Am I going to be filled with the Holy Spirit and controlled by the Holy Spirit or not? And by the way, this is where some of you try to have it both ways, and you can't. The Holy Spirit doesn't share a seat. The Holy Spirit doesn't room with anybody. You, you can fill your heart up with anything you want to. It's your choice. But you cannot fill your heart with the Holy Spirit and fill it with something else. You can't fill your heart up with the Holy Spirit and fill it up with a desire to make money. You, you cannot fill your heart with the Holy Spirit and fill it with a desire to have sex with someone you're not married to. You cannot fill your heart with the Holy Spirit and fill it up with bitterness and envy and jealousy. You can fill your heart up with anything you wanted to, but you cannot fill your heart up with anything and fill it up with the Holy Spirit. And, and this is why this is so important. I'm just going to be honest with you. If as a Christian, you are not filled with the Holy Spirit, then I can promise you this. If you're a Christian, if you're not filled with the Holy Spirit, whatever else you're filling your life with is unfulfilling. If you're a Christian, if you're not filled with the Holy Spirit, I don't know what you're filling your life with, but whatever you're filling your life with is unfulfilling because the only way to be fulfilled as a Christian is to be filled full of the Holy Spirit. And you must seek the Spirit filling moment by moment and day by day. So the first thing you've got to do, you say, Pastor, I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Then you've got to get after him. You've got to seek to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Here's the second thing you have to do. I must submit to the filling of the Holy Spirit. It's one thing to say you want it, but it's another thing to do something with a car after the dog catches it, right? So it's one thing to say, I want to be filled with the Spirit, but then you've got to submit to the Holy Spirit. Now, let me just make sure you understand something. The reason I keep coming back to this, because I know this can be a little bit confusing, don't ever think that if you're not filled with the Holy Spirit that you don't have the Holy Spirit. I want to make something, again, very plain. If you're a believer, if you truly have a relationship with Christ, you have the Holy Spirit. And he's never going to leave you. You can't shake him. I told you this last week. You can't shake him. You can't get rid of him. He never leaves you empty. He never leaves you at all. The problem is this. If you're not filled with the Holy Spirit, it's not that you don't have the presence of the Holy Spirit. It is that you don't have the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the difference. Everybody's got the presence. Not everybody has the power. You don't have to ask the Holy Spirit to be with you. He's always with you. He's always in you. But you have to continuously submit to his power. Now, have you, have you ever met? I know this is true. I'm asking a rhetorical question. So I really ought to make it as a statement, but I'll go ahead and ask it as a question. Have you ever met anyone? And I know we all have it. Have you ever met anyone and you weren't around them three minutes until you realized they were full of themselves? You ever met people like that? You know, I mean, look, I mean, you know, you, you know we all have, right? I mean, I mean, and how did you know that? Because all they talked about was themselves. And all they thought about was themselves. And all they wanted to discuss was themselves. And all they wanted you to talk about was themselves. And all they wanted you to think about were themselves. I mean, that's just the way it is. And so listen carefully. You can be full of the Spirit or you can be full of you, but you can't be full of both. You can't. 
He doesn't room with anybody. You can only be full of either spirit or something else. And so that's why Paul makes this really strange comparison. I'm sure some of you thought about it when you read the verse the first time. Paul says, do not be drunk. Do not be drunk. I'm going to get it up there in a minute. Everybody with me? I think I'm there. Yep. Do not get drunk, but be filled. There we go. Do not get drunk, but be filled. Now, Paul says... Don't get drunk, but be filled with the Spirit. He doesn't, he didn't say, don't steal, but be filled. He didn't say, don't lie, but be filled. He, he, he didn't say, don't, don't kill, but be filled. He says, don't get drunk, but be filled. So it's kind of interesting that he kind of makes this analogy, kind of makes this comparison between being drunk and being filled with the Spirit. It's a very apt analogy. Why? Because you can only be filled with the Holy Spirit if you submit to the power of the Holy Spirit with as much passion and as much desire as a drunk is willing to submit to the power of alcohol. Now, I don't drink. I've never had a drink, and, and I'm not condemning you if you do drink. I don't think drinking is wrong, and that's a whole other subject. I think, you know, I think it's just wise for people not to drink, but I don't, I'm not a people's policeman. I just happen to be one of these, one of those, I guess, weirdos that I just never have drunk. I just never had a desire for it or a taste for it. But I'll tell you what. Being in college, I've seen my share. And, and I'll tell you it's interesting. Well, when you're under the influence of alcohol, you're literally under the control of alcohol. I'm talking, I don't mean when you're drinking, when you're drunk. When you're under the influence of alcohol, you literally are under the control of alcohol. And you know what you start doing? You start doing what the alcohol tells you to do. So, so for example, uh, have you ever been around, uh, and, I, and I have, have you ever been around some inebriated people? Matter of fact, Hollywood stars have gotten in trouble with this. I'm, a, a lady just got fired from broadcasting. I read yesterday because I think she's a little bit, little bit tipsy. And she said some things she said she got fired. And if you've ever been around someone like that, you know, some people when they get inebriated, I mean, they say the most unbelievable things, crude things and profane things and very insulting things and very hard things. And you know what will happen? The, the alcohol wears off, and they sober up, and you know what they'll always say? They'll say, gosh, did I really say that? Well, yeah, you really said that. Here's what they'll always say. Well, that wasn't me. That was the alcohol talking. You know what? They're right. It was the alcohol talking. Because a drunk person, here's what a drunk person is. It's when you get to the point to where you're no longer consuming the alcohol, the alcohol is consuming you. And that's why Paul uses this analogy. Because how does a person, listen, how does a person get drunk? Somebody tell me. Just figure this one out. How do you get drunk? You drink, right? How do you stay drunk? Somebody tell me. You keep drinking, right? So you get drunk by drinking. You stay drunk. You keep drinking. Paul says that's exactly the way we ought to look at being filled with the Spirit. We ought to continuously submit to being filled with the Spirit. We ought to have a thirst to be controlled by the Spirit of God, just like a drunk has this thirst to be controlled by alcohol. As a matter of fact, that term to be filled is a sailor's term. It's a nautical term. It's a naval term. It refers to how a ship would set its sails so the wind could take that ship wherever the wind wanted to blow that ship. And what Paul is saying is, when you submit to the filling of the Holy Spirit, you're giving him so complete control of your life that what you're really saying is, Holy Spirit, I'm hoisting the sails of my life, and I'm asking the wind of the Holy Spirit to blow me wherever he wants me to go. So when you submit to the Holy Spirit, here's what you're saying. You're saying, Holy Spirit, 
I want you to take me wherever you want to take me. Holy Spirit, I want you to lead me to do whatever you want me to do. And Holy Spirit, I want you to make me whatever it is you want me to be. So think of it this way. Your life, use this analogy, your life's like a glove. Now that glove right now is empty. It's powerless, it's useless, doesn't have any function whatsoever. However, when that hand fills that glove, that glove is going to do whatever the hand leads it to do. Now, I want you to think of your life as a glove. One of two things is true about your glove right now. One of two hands is filling that glove, you or the Spirit. No, no in between. Either you're filling that glove or the Spirit is filling that glove. And that glove, that glove is meant to be filled by God's hand because whatever hand is filling that glove means that glove will be led by that hand and that glove will do whatever that hand guides it to do. What God is saying is, what Paul was saying to us was, get up every morning and realize your life's like that empty glove. You haven't even gotten out of bed yet. You're going to decide who's going to fill that glove because Whoever or whatever fills the glove, controls the glove, guides the glove, and the glove does whatever the hand guides it to do. That's what it means to be filled with. That what it, that's what it means to submit to the power of the Holy Spirit. So what's step one? I must seek the filling of the Spirit. I've got to want to be filled with the Spirit. And then to show that you want to be filled with the Spirit, I've got to submit to the filling of the Spirit. I've got to absolutely make sure I'm totally empty of everything else, and the Spirit of God is in complete control over me. Now, that should lead naturally to the last step. If you think about it, it's not really profound. I mean, it just kind of adds up. That means I must show the filling of the Holy Spirit. I mean, if I seek the filling and I submit to the filling, I must show the filling. Because see, here's the question some of you are asking right now, and it's the big question of this message. Okay, so how does this happen? I mean, how do you get filled with the Holy Spirit? And by the way, how do you know it? How, how, how do you get filled with the Holy Spirit? And then how do you know that you are? What are the marks of the Spirit-filled life? Are you ready for this? This is so cool. Paul, in the next few verses, gives us, these are not exhaustive, but he gives us some marks of the filling of the Holy Spirit. And what he's going to tell us about what it means to be filled with the Spirit is going to really surprise you because some of these things you would have never thought about, and yet when you think about it, it makes perfect sense. He said, if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, here's, here's some two or three things will be true about you. He said, first of all, you'll be joyful. If you're filled with the Spirit, you will be joyful. Listen to verse 19. He says, speaking to one another, this is right after he said be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Now, you talk about a surprise. I mean, if, you're, if you were reading down and it says, be filled with the Holy Spirit, if I said to some of you, okay, what do you think Paul's going to say as a mark of the filling of the Holy Spirit? I promise you, you wouldn't have picked that. I mean, you, you, you'd have said, well, I, I would say, it would be mountain-moving faith or a dynamic speaking ability or, or maybe some miraculous line like speaking in tongues. Paul says, no, I'll tell you what it is. I'll tell you when you know you're filled with the Holy Spirit. 
is when your heart is so full of God, you want to worship the Lord. So full of God, you want to worship the Lord. Now, I realize that some of you are like me. You can't sing. I get that. I realize that if singing bad was a crime, you would be in jail today. I get that. In fact, I'm a prisoner singer myself. I'm always behind a few bars, and I can't find the right key, okay? So I'm with you, okay? So maybe you're like me. You say, man, I, I, I can't sing, or I don't sing very well. You might even say, you know what? I don't even like to sing. Paul said, if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you'll sing. You will sing. There will be a song in your soul. And Paul says, listen, this is so interesting. He doesn't say singing to one another. This is so interesting. He said, you'll be speaking to one another with psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit. Now, this is amazing. You know why it's so important whenever we gather together to worship? Do you know why it's so important that everybody sings? If, if you're a believer, you know why that's so important? Paul says, one of the ways that we communicate to each other that we love God, and one of the ways we communicate with each other that we love each other is when we sing with each other. He didn't say when you sing just with each other. He said you're speaking to each other. So Paul here is obviously not talking about your ability to sing. He's talking about your willingness to sing. Because when you come and you sing, listen, you're not saying to the person sitting next to you, you either you can sing or you can't. You don't have to tell them. They'll figure it out pretty quick. But you know what you're telling the person next to you when you're singing? I love God just like you do. And I love the God that loves you, and I love you because God loves you. And I just want you to know that I'm full of the Holy Spirit today. That's why I sing. I want to express my love for God, and I want to express my love for other people by singing. Think about this. If you ever see anybody walking down the street, are in their car, and we see this quite often, right? You ever see anybody walking down the street, or maybe they're sitting in a red light? If they're either singing or they're whistling, have you ever seen people in a car and they don't even, they've just forgotten if they're listening to something on the radio? Have you ever seen this? It's kind of funny, right? I mean, they're, they're, they're having their own disco party right in their own car. You know, they're paying attention. You know what you know about that person? For whatever reason, they're happy. They are full of joy. Paul said, if you're full of the Holy Spirit, there will be a melody in your heart. There will be a song in your soul. It has nothing to do with your ability to sing. That's irrelevant to God. It has all to do with your willingness to sing. He said, you will be joyful. Paul says, there's another mark that you're filled with the Holy Spirit. You ready for this? He said, you'll be thankful. You'll be thankful. He says in verse 20, you'll always be giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul says a spiritful believer is a thankful believer. In other words, if you're filled with the Spirit, you won't be humbly grateful. You'll be, you won't be grumbly hateful. You'll be humbly grateful. You, you'll be a thankful person. And, and listen, I know that's hard, but listen to what he says. He says, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. Now, I have to be honest with you. I read that at first. I was, man, that just sounds impossible. Because it's just hard to give thanks for everything. And yet Paul says, if you're spirit-filled, some way, somehow, in almost any situation, you can find something to be thankful for. 
I, I love the story. I don't know if I've ever told you this or not, but I love the story. There's a young pastor. And the reason I love this is because I can relate to this guy because I had somebody like this in the first church I pastored. But there was a young pastor, and he had a lady in his church, and she was just super negative. She was super critical. And I mean, after every service, didn't matter what happened, good or bad, after every service, this, this lady would come up. She was an older lady. She would make a beeline to the pastor after the service, and she was griping about something every Sunday. The music was too loud. The building was too cold. The sermon was too long. I mean, something was always wrong. And he just got to where he got a knot in his gut, and he just dreaded this lady coming down to see him because he knew it wasn't good. Well, his dad was a pastor, and so he considered, you know, his dad was a very spirit-filled man of God. And so he, he called his preacher dad up and he said, Dad, he said, I, 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 I got to have help. I need some advice. He said, what's wrong? He said, I've got this woman and she's so critical. She's so negative. Every Sunday she gripes about something. And she's just making my life miserable. And he says, Dad, you know, I, I know you've taught me to be thankful in all things. And I know I'm supposed to be a spirit-filled man of God. But when it comes to this woman, I just can't get there. I just can't do it. And the dad said, well, son, you know, it just so happens I'm not preaching next Sunday. He says, how about I drive down to your church and let me meet this lady after the service? And he said, well, sure, dad, if you'd like to do that. He said, yeah, let me do that. So he, um, father comes down and he's sitting down at the front. And after the service, sure enough, here comes this woman. She's making a beeline down to, her, to his son. And she starts letting him have it. She's pointing her finger. And she is just giving him down the road. And he just walks over to her and he says, excuse me, ma'am. He said, what is your name? She said, I'm Mrs. Smith. He said, Miss Smith, I've just been kind of watching you interact, and I, I can see you take church very seriously. And Would you just mind if I just, we just knelt down together, and let me just thank God for you? And she kind of looked surprised. She said, really? He said, oh, yeah. He said, I, I'm just so thankful. Can I, can I just pray with you? Well, boy, and then she smiled real big, a lot of pride in her heart. So she said, absolutely. So she knelt down, and he put his arm around her, and he said, oh, God, I want to thank you. This woman is not my wife. Now, if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you can always find something to be thankful for in all things. Paul said, you will be joyful. Listen, doesn't matter if the stock market goes to pot. It doesn't matter who's elected president of the United States. It doesn't matter who controls the Senate. It doesn't matter whether interest rates are up or down. It's irrelevant. You'll be joyful. You'll be thankful. And then he said this, you'll be graceful. He says in verse 21, you will submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now, this is so big, I'm going to kind of plant here for a minute, we'll be done. A person who is filled with the Holy Spirit is willing to submit to another believer in any area where that other believer deserves submission. I've never had to ask a spirit-filled believer in any church I've ever pastored to submit to my authority as the pastor of the church. I've never had to do that. Never had an argument, never had a debate over any spirit-filled believer because they get it, they understand it. If you're a spirit-filled son or a spirit-filled daughter, you won't have any problem submitting to your parents. You just, you just won't. If you're a spirit-filled student, you won't have any problem submitting to your teacher and to your principal. If you're a spirit-filled spirit -filled player on a team, you won't have any problems submitting to your coach. You know, having been married now four decades, people ask us a lot when uh, we were at a restaurant not long ago and, and um, took Teresa out this before we went on our trip. And I, I lady was, I said, are you celebrating a special occasion? I said, well, yes, ma'am. I said, my wife and I have been married 40 years. 
And it's amazing. You know, people go, wow, I just don't see many people like you anymore. That's cool. You know, that's awesome. You just don't see that anymore. And so every now and then people ask me, somebody asked me this not longer, they said, you know, how, how do you and Teresa do it? How, how have you had, not just stay married, you've been happily married, and I'm more happily married today than I've ever been in my life. How, how do you stay so happily married? And so this is what I tell them. I say, well, there's a principle that we practiced in our marriage for 40 years, and it's called mutual submission. And they said, well, what, what do you mean? And I said, well, let me tell you what happened. I said, just before Teresa and I got married, I sat Teresa down and I said, now look, let me tell you how this marriage is going to work. I'm going to make all the major decisions in our marriage. And you're going to submit to my authority. On the other hand, you're going to make all the minor decisions in our marriage. And I'm going to submit to your authority. And she looked at me and she said, fine with me. And then they'll say, well, gosh, how's that worked out for you? It's great. I said, you know, in 40 years of marriage, we've never made a major decision. It's just incredible. I mean, listen, listen, and also, let, let me get serious. I'm serious, because I, I really, we really do practice this. It didn't take me long to realize after we got married that when it comes to money management, Teresa's better than I am. It didn't take me long to realize that Teresa's got more common sense than her little finger, and I've got my whole body. I, I mean, I, I realize that. So you know what I said early on? I said, okay, I said, you, you handle the finances. You run the household. You're going to make all the major purchases for the home. And she knows when it comes to those big things like that, I submit to her wisdom and her counsel, and I'm glad to do it. Now, when it comes to me, for example, going off to Athens to see Georgia play six Saturdays a year or being gone all day on Saturday, she lovingly submits to my leadership. So it kind of all works out. But the point is, when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you're always seeing, how can I serve somebody else? How can I put somebody else before me? And where do I need to submit to the other person in harmony and in peace? So, and I want to wrap all this up and get really personal. And look, let me say this. I was raised the right way, and I realized, generally speaking, it's rude to ask certain personal questions. I mean, they're just certain personal questions you just don't ask people, okay? Like, for example, you don't go up to a woman and ask her, so how much do you weigh? I mean, you know, you don't do that. Or, or how old are you? You don't ever ask a lady. Or, or, you know, is that a wig or do you color your hair? I mean, you just don't, just certain things you don't do. Never go up to anyone and say, did your plastic surgery not work out or do you always look that way? You just don't, <laughs> certain questions you don't ask, right? But I'm going to take a chance and I'm going to ask every one of you in this room a very personal question. And the question is, is the Holy Spirit filling you right now? Is the Holy Spirit filling you right now? Now, there are only three possible answers to that question. Yes, no, I don't know. Yes, I am. No, I'm not. Or I don't know whether I am or not. Well, let me help you. If you're not a believer, if you do not have a personal relationship with Jesus, you've never become a follower of Jesus, you not only are not filled with the Holy Spirit, you don't even have the Holy Spirit, and you need him. And I'm going to share with you a moment how that can happen. If you are a believer... But you know you're not hitting on all eight cylinders. You know there's sin in your life that's unconfessed and unrepentant of. You know there are things you're doing that you shouldn't be doing. There are things you're not doing you ought to be doing. From this moment on, you can be filled with the Holy Spirit. 
Or if you would say, man, I don't know whether I am or not, then you should know and you can know. So here's the application for you. You're a believer. You know the Lord. You can walk out of this room right now and absolutely know that you're filled with the Holy Spirit. You're an unbeliever. You don't even know the Lord. You can walk out of this room in just a moment and know that you are filled with the Holy Spirit. If you're willing to pray one of two things to the Lord, you're not a believer, you're lost, you've never come to Jesus Christ, if you will pray for Jesus, if you in just a moment will say, Lord Jesus, I'm giving myself to you. I want you to save me. I believe you died for my sins. I believe God raised you from the dead. I believe you're alive right now, and I'm giving all that I am to all that you are. Jesus says at that moment, I'll not only save you, I will give you the Holy Spirit. I will fill you with my spirit. If you're already a believer, I'm already, I already know the Lord. If you'll say, Lord, right now, I want you to cleanse me of anything that's filling me and taking the place of your Holy Spirit, and as you do, fill me with your Holy Spirit. And as you do that, I receive by faith the filling of the Holy Spirit. You will be filled. The Holy Spirit can be in you, but not over you. So here's the issue for all of us in this room. The issue is not how much of the Holy Spirit do you have. The issue is how much of you does the Holy Spirit have. He's resident in every believer. He wants to be president over every believer, and he can be when you're filled with the Holy Spirit. So let's pray together. With heads bowed and with eyes closed. If you're here today and you're never, you've never trusted in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, let me just say this to you. Listen. Jesus died on the cross, came back from the dead, was raised from the dead. You know why? To give you the Holy Spirit. To help you be what you ought to be and do what you ought to do now until you die and go to be with him. That's why he came. And if today you've never, ever given your life to Jesus, I want you to understand, although only the Holy Spirit can convince you of this, you're a sinner, you're lost, you need to be saved, you can only be saved through Jesus. And if today you would say, you know what, I want Jesus in my life, I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, I want my life to be different, I don't want to be like the rest of the world, I want to be what God wanted me to be and made me to be then just pray this prayer right now. Just say, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. I'm lost. I need to be saved. I believe you died for my sins. I believe